Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gunnan from Find the Ranch. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Wrench. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, really excited to put on this podcast with my good friend, Cindy Barlow, who is the Director of Industry Relations for WyoTech. And today we're going to talk about some of the challenges that students in, in technician programs are facing today and how shops can help them out. And it was a really, really cool uh, discussion to discuss some of the things and some of the pressures, quite frankly, that a new uh, tech school graduate has and and how we can better, uh, I guess, adapt to what they've got. So really looking forward to all of you listening to this one. I think there's a lot of great information in it. As for our weekly prize winners, uh, we were actually uh, lucky enough to have uh, quite a few people playing this week. Uh, the winner of the higher or lower game was Tyler Mefford with a high score of 35. I think Tyler's had a few uh, a few wins here, so good for him in winning that $100 Amazon gift card, having a respectable score of 35. Uh, unfortunately, Tyler did not turn over the Queen of Hearts, and the prize money for that is now up to $2,100. So, uh, congratulations again to Tyler Mefford, just uh, another uh, really, really good insider who is always out there kind of giving us insights and, and playing the game. So we appreciate you, Tyler, and, and uh, appreciate your loyalty there. Uh, if you haven't yet, make sure you have downloaded the free Wrenchway Insiders app in the App Store or on Google Play. Uh, text can browse the top shops to work at post reverse job postings, which is a really, really cool thing. I know I say it all the time, but I absolutely love what RJPs do for technicians and and answer quick questions about the industry for that chance to win prizes. Tyler's done a great job at that. So uh, we'll include links to download in the app and, uh, uh, excuse me, we'll include the links to download the app in the show notes below. So be sure to check those out. Uh, if you haven't updated your, your app, make sure you do that. We've got a lot of new features that we add continuously. So uh, remember to go in and update those so you have all of the new features that are out there. As far as today's episode and some of the things that we talked about with uh, the challenges that the students in technician programs face, Cindy had just a, a bunch of really, really good information and some things that maybe I hadn't even considered. But again, we go back to that ASE stat that 41 or 42 percent of technicians leave the industry within their first few years out of tech school. And you could see why in some of the stuff that Cindy talked about. And uh, just being able to listen to what she says, take some notes, and be able to implement that into your shops can be a huge, huge help. And understanding where these tech students come from and uh, and maybe just how much pressure is on them to make the right call and how many opportunities they truly have coming out of tech school. So enjoy the show. This was a fun one. Cindy's one of my favorite people in the industry, and I think you'll all enjoy it. Have a great day. I am really, really excited to welcome a, a really good friend of mine in the industry, somebody that I really, really admire and uh being able to see the impact that she's had on the industry in a fairly short amount of time has been really, really cool. So uh, welcome, Cindy. How are you today? Thank you, Jay. Good morning. Yeah, I'm great. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. And for those of you that are listening through podcast channels, uh, you won't be able to see it, but Cindy's got a cool, cool vehicle sitting right behind her. Cindy, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I can. It's one of my favorites to drive. This is one of the WyoTech student projects. It was a Ford F-150. It was a 1942 model, I believe. It's got a 390 engine in it. The kids chopped it in half and made a low rider vehicle out of it. So it's got a, the bed and back has wood and it's just a last to drive. <laughs> it's a it, it's a gorgeous machine and I uh yeah. I it, you you're you've got a setting in the shop uh and if you aren't watching via video I would highly encourage you to come check it out on YouTube because uh just being able to see the the shop 
and everything out there at, uh, at WyoTech is pretty cool. So, Cindy, yeah. let, let's start with uh, what is it that you do at WyoTech? Well, thank you. I am the industry relations person for WyoTech. So I am always reaching out to industry to form partnerships and to see different ways that we can work together. Talk about our advisory board and, and see what the industry needs out of our technicians so that at WyoTech we're graduating the best of the best and making sure that what we're putting on their shop floors is the type of technician that they need. Um, so forming these relationships is very important. Um, it also gives them an opportunity to maybe either brand our campus or bring some of their equipment on campus so that our techs can be working on their product before they ever reach their shop floors. So as we all know, it's all about relationships and it's about being able to you know, have them here on campus and see what we've got going on. Well, I think we could do another podcast at some point that is uh, you talking about how to build relationships because you're one of the best at it. You do such a good job at, at staying in, in contact with everybody. And um, and so I've learned a lot from you uh, through that that part of the business. And uh, so I, I think it's a perfect fit for somebody and a, a perfect fit for WyoTech. But your background is maybe a little bit different in in that it wasn't full of kind of the industry side, but you had a lot of really cool things going on. How how did you get to this point in your career at WyoTech? Well, it's been a pretty diverse career, I have to say. Um, growing up in Wyoming, um, you either have to be creative and, and find opportunities or, or it might be a little bit tough. I worked for USDA for 18 years and had a great career there, retired back in 2005, um, went into corporate oil and gas and worked there building companies and selling companies. So we predominantly worked in the Powder River Basin between Colorado and Nebraska or North Dakota. So that kept me busy for about five years. After that, I transitioned into politics and was a county assessor in my home community where um, we raised our children. I've got three boys that are grown. And after politics, um, Jim Mathis had been watching me through that process, and he decided that he wanted me to come over to WyoTech. So he contacted me, and I've been here now for three years um, since Jim bought the school with his um, partner, I have been working for Jim Mathis with WyoTech. So you're right. I wasn't in the industry. It was something that is brand new to me. Um, but, you know, through my career, I've realized the importance of partnership and being able to bring people in. So it's been um, a big career change, but I really enjoyed it. And um, I love WyoTech and I love the vision and the approach that Jim Mathis has taken with the school. And it shows with what has happened here in the last three years. Yeah, and I will never forget my trip to Wyoming to visit uh, to visit you and Jim, and uh, how accommodating you all were to me coming out there. And uh, it was just it was so cool to be able to go see kind of rural Wyoming, like going out and seeing how gorgeous it is out there. And when you get like I had been to Laramie before, but never really uh, through kind of where we were going, like Jim's ranch and going, you know, going all around. It was so awesome. It was so cool. And uh, so I, uh, I, that'll be a trip I never forget. That was, that was a lot of fun. Wyoming is incredibly diverse. And when, especially when it comes to our wildlife and our ranches and the opportunity for family to live the way that we live out here. So um, we believe that at WyoTech, we get to offer some of that to our students it's their Wyoming family. So it is a part of our culture and it's something that we love to share. And for those of you that are outdoors people, Cindy, this is one of the first times I think I've been on video with you, Cindy, where you don't have an elk hanging behind you or you don't have uh, <laughs> something hanging behind you, but definitely a passion for the outdoors. I do have a passion for the outdoors. About four years ago, I became one of six women outfitters in the state of Wyoming. So yes, hunting and fishing and camping has always been a part of um, my upbringing. And it's something that I love to share with other people. So yeah, there's it's nice having a <laughs> behind me this morning and, and not my elk head. So <laughs> uh, they're always cool to see, and there's always good stories behind them. So I, it's always uh, always a blast to talk about that. Now, 
let's shift back to the biotech side. And uh, one of the things that's just nuts to me, and we talked about it back in uh, Jim's podcast that we did with him, but the amount of kind of the, the roller coaster that was biotech for a little bit until Jim came back and kind of just, I mean, stabilized it, brought it back to prosper. And now enrollment is, I, I, you guys are killing it, right? I mean, you're, you're getting all kinds of people into the program. Yes. We, from July of 2018 with 11 students, we're now in October of this year, we'll be over 650. And I mean, our recruiting arm is remarkably tough. They're aggressive. They're here meeting for the entire week. Um, today is their final day before we send them out into the great big world to go and recruit some more. Um, yeah, so the, our our recruiting arm is is strong, and we've got over 25 reps now um, working the high schools. We even go into the middle schools, and we begin to build those relationships with students so that they know who we are. I mean, after all, I mean, you can you can have a building, you can you can do anything in this life. But if people don't know what you're doing and you're not getting out there and letting people know, they don't know about the effort that has taken place in these establishments. So, yes, um, we have a great comeback. Our story is remarkable. Our leadership is over the top. And because of that, I think you're seeing the end results of of what hard work does. Well, and a return to the fundamentals of what made biotech great in the first place, right? I think that was such a big piece of it. And, um, you know, Jim knows how to assemble a great team and, and uh, you're a big piece of that. So we're, we're happy to have you on uh, today. And it, really what we're going to talk about today are the students and maybe the progression of the student from the time they graduate school to the time that they get into industry. And uh, we've referred to this stat a lot, but this is a, a stat that George Aarons comes to us with uh, from ASE on the fact that 42% of techs leave the workplace within the first couple of years of leaving tech school. And so there's such a, such a maybe um, kind of a variance between why that is happening or why maybe a, a student going into industry uh isn't hitting the ground running or is, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to expectations, both from the student and from the, um, from the employer. And so what we want to talk about today are some of the challenges that a, maybe a new, a recent grad goes through when one looking for a job, uh, two trying to get confidence in, in their abilities and gain experience that is needed uh, to really be productive in the shop. And so, you know, I think we'll start with the first um, and and talk a little bit about how many jobs are out there for techs. I mean, you're working with industry uh, industry partners uh, to bring them into WyoTech and have a partnership with WyoTech. Uh, none of them need tax, right? Like they're, they're uh, no, I mean, they're, they're nothing, uh, nothing to see here. They're uh, no tax needed. Well, let's face it. Um, I can tell you that starting at about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, my phone calls began to change. They have gone from, I, Cindy, I'm looking for technicians to Cindy, I just need employees. Yeah. And so that's going to create a whole new issue with, those that need technicians, because those that need employees that, you know, will be coming into the industry and they're now looking at the tech school student because they know that those students are willing to work. So we have a whole new pandemic coming our way, don't we? Because yeah. we already need techs. It is incredibly apparent of uh, the need for technicians nationwide. And it, it's more of an issue than I think we all ever dreamed of. But because of now needing employees, um, you're going to have an even tougher time recruiting these students to your shops and, and dealerships and everything else. So um, there, there's one. Um, when we also talk about needing technicians and the kids coming out of schools, because of the demand for techs, our students are coming out with four or five letters of intent before they ever graduate. 
that creates another problem for industry. Now you have a young individual who is coming into the workforce who has four or five offers for a job. Jay, I don't know if you remember what, and I'm sure you do, but it's like when we were kids and we were going out to look for a job, we went and we applied and we waited and we wanted to know. And now the employers are coming to the students. It's a complete shift from where we were of going and searching for a job to the employers are needing employees so bad they're coming to us. We have a career fair coming up just in two weeks and we put the the sign up to, you know, participate in that career fair beginning of June. And we had 70 employers sign up in eight days. Wow. the need for technicians, yeah, it, it's very apparent. And um, we want to do what we can. So, but regardless, it makes it tough. So let's go back to the student side of that. Now you've got this young man or this young woman coming into the workforce. They don't have the experience that you and I have. And they have four or five offers. And they need to get back to the other four because they accepted number five. And what I'm seeing, and I, I've even talked to the students about this, is they've accepted one offer because it sounds good. Or maybe it's in the location where they want to live or they want to move to, and um, they need to tell the other four. You and I both know how hard that is to be able to give somebody bad news. But being a young person, they don't understand the importance of just giving that call back to that employer and saying, hey, I decided to go over here with, you know, employer number five. And, um, you know, and so would you still consider me later on if something changes and the importance of that? So we've got to make sure that our messaging is strong in that regard. Yeah. Um, we talk in our business class about it here at WyoTech. Um, we try to make sure that, you know, the other kids know about it as well. So when employers come I always tell them, make sure that you focus on that. Make sure that you let them know, hey, if you don't accept the job from me, that's okay, but just let me know. And yeah. so, you know, just building that confidence, those soft skills that nobody, even, even later on in life, we don't haven't mastered some of that stuff. And so it's important that it, with the demand of industry to hire technicians, that they do understand it and that they see the value. I mean, for example, you tell, you don't, let you know your employer know <clears throat> within your community and maybe something doesn't work out at that job and now you need to go back to that employer they may not consider you that second time mm-hmm. so we're trying to instill that in the kids and and work on those soft skills of their um resume and shaking a hand and interviewing and having that confidence to know your value know your worth but most of all be professional and get back with the employers and let them know it's it's an overwhelming process though, right? Like, I mean, when you think about it from the standpoint of it is, you're right. It's completely different from when we were younger, where you, you felt like you were really lucky to have even somebody return your call. <laughs> now they get people beating down their doors and we see the same thing in industry as a whole. At least there's some level of experience when you don't have, you know, maybe you've got a light experience, but going through training and you become that, you know, they're, they're, it's crazy to me how much in demand they are and what these, what these industry partners will do to, to really try and stand out in front of them. And that's, you know, something we talk about with, with the shops in general, uh, with all of our clients is, uh, you know, being able to stand out from the crowd and, and be something different because it can look really, really similar other than maybe like if, if there's a big brand somewhere and they've, you know, they've done a lot of uh, marketing and and somebody grew up with that brand. But if you're not that, you've got some work to do on trying to compete with that. And, and so I think that's where having the understanding from industry as a whole that one, this isn't going away tomorrow. Like this isn't, this is an industry problem that uh, we've put ourselves in, we've put ourselves in a big hole and it's because we haven't supported them early. And again, going back to that stat with the 42% of techs leaving the, the workforce in the first couple of years, 
we've got to keep those people too, right? Like I think, and this is where the transition is so big. So once they look at it and they see, you know, I've got all of these offers and, you know, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. They take that first offer or take whichever offer is best. And in a lot of cases, I feel like it's probably what pays the most uh, starting off. There is then a gap or I see a gap. Maybe it's, it's more perceived from my, it's my perception than anything, but of, the what what a shop is paying a tech to come in and it was because they had to be competitive in the first place to what their expectation is sometimes those don't align uh, because they're getting paid more than they're used to paying an entry-level person right and so if they're doing that the expectations that they need to produce right away sometimes i think are unfair well and you know economically let's talk about that at a little higher level as well I was talking to an employer in Pennsylvania this last week, and the rate of inflation has changed so much that they had to change their pricing. So then in order to cover some of that, too, they also upped the wage to their technicians. Well, the shop up the road heard that they were raising their level of pay to their techs. So then they raised up the ante by a dollar or two more an hour as well to try to attract the technicians and guess what happened? So they lost some tech. The attrition is huge. Um, so two sides to that. I mean, you have that competition going on, but then you also have, you know, that 42%. I can see that coming in two different directions. I can see the technicians actually that are really hard workers and go-getters. They're being promoted in the industry. They're being yes. promoted up. So they're going to higher level positions and they're not wrenching in the shop. But here's the other side of that too, that when you were saying that, that really hit me because of what's going on right now in our country for just the need for employees, you are going to see that number change. I think potentially exponentially because of just the need for employee. So I see it going in both directions. Technicians who choose to get into the automotive Diesel world right now are making strong, smart career decisions. Just the other day, I was working in Sturgis with a young student of ours who was who received the Jesse Combs Foundation Award. Oh, cool! A young, a young woman who received the scholarship and now will be working with the JCF Foundation, um, the Jesse Combs Foundation, and will be promoting the industry and women within the industry. So there's so many neat opportunities and this is a life changer. This is an opportunity to associate yourself, not only with Wyotech, a well-known brand, but now a, a well-known brand of a woman who made it very, very big. And as a young woman, she has now set the pace for a very fast and, and strong career, recognizing what she's been given with that. So when we look at that, and so I'm segueing here into a lot of different things, but yeah. if you think about it, that 42%, Jay, I think we've got a bigger issue on our hands than what we realize. Again, some of them are going up in, in um, the companies. Others are being hired out into other parts of the industry. But if you look at it, I, I worked with another shop and, and it was recently and they came to Wyotech and they presented and they had an amazing apprentice program. So when these students come out of a tech school, the first six months, here's their expectations and here's their rate of pay. And, and you're right, that rate of pay within shops, because they're having to pay such a large amount, the expectation is tough. And so we have to be compassionate to these dealerships, I think, on that side, because they're against a huge dilemma of what they have to start a beginning tech out at and what what the tech can actually produce at that time without the experience. Let's face it. When you started your job, did you know everything? I mean, I remember when you just started find a ranch and I came into WyoTech <laughs> and you were doing amazing things. And I felt like this deer in the headlights, you know, on a dark Wyoming night, gosh, where do I go from here? And these techs are in the same spot. They're, they're trying to learn what's next you know, how do I find my way? So this shop put together the first six months. Here's our expectations. This is what we think is reasonable. Here's the rate of pay. And then over the next year, they showed the different levels and the expectations within that job description for that next year. 
and one, and they could do this stuff in a whole year. They could be up to 25 bucks an hour if they really put their hands to work and really focus on their jobs and not their phones and really get in there and work. But because they have an opportunity to work with a master tech over literally the next three years, it's amazing. And then this company also did a gap program with WyoTech where they are helping the students. They're sponsoring a student to come into WyoTech. They're paying that gap funding at the beginning. So the difference between their parent loan and the tuition of WyoTech. And so they're helping to open the door. So they're not just working at the apprentice level in their shops. They're getting them into WyoTech and then they're helping them in the next three years in their career. So what a confidence booster, what a neat company to be able to go to work for when you have a path that is literally showing you the way to progress in your career. And I mean, let's face it, Jay, what is three years? And, yeah. and you can accelerate that by being an overachiever and getting in there and really working. And I got to tell you, I'm impressed with this class here at WildTech. I mean, our shops are going in the back, as you can hear. And this class that is graduating here at the end of September is absolutely impressive. It, it's so refreshing to hear that side of it, right? And I think seeing people in the industry that are doing it the right way, and I commend this company that you're talking about, because I think even with that, like you don't have, like, I think people look at this and they're like, well, that's probably some big company and they can put together some big elaborate plan. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be that. Like you just have to paint a picture for what that person wants and needs and, and then be able to put some structure behind it. And it's not rocket science. And I think we, a lot of industry makes it out to be this big, crazy thing. And it's not, it's more of, it's a communication tool to say, Hey, you know, this, we want you here and here's where we think you can go. And these are the things you're going to have to do in order to get there. And, and then it, it just to me, put so much structure around those management type of conversations as well. So that when you're sitting down and you're having an evaluation with them and, you know, if you're properly doing that, you're, you're communicating with them regularly that, you talk about the plan and how it works. And I think it truly shows that you care about that person. And right now, I mean, money is obviously a big thing, but that might be the, the second biggest thing is people just want to be wanted. They want to know that they, they matter and that they, that, you know, you're, you have their best interest in mind. And, um, and there's a lot of shops that just don't do that. Well, let's face it. We all, no matter, no matter what personality profile thing you take that says, whether you, you need to hear those words of affirmation or not. We all want to know we're doing a good job. And so when you've got a program like this, and I would love to make that introduction to you so that you can um, maybe have them on your podcast someday and be able to show they're actually, so they're in Colorado. Um, they're, they're probably large for the state of Colorado, but they're not a great big company. And, but they have a vision and they made a plan. And maybe, and no doubt they would be willing to share their structure with others so that, because that's what it takes to be able to keep somebody going. Because what you see in a plan like that is the opportunity to understand progress and how, you know, you're doing in your job. And when you see that you're excelling and you are, um, your boss is saying, hey, good job, and we're going to move you to the next level. And now you get to be doing this. Um, that can't help but promote what you've got going on. Yeah. And I think we we pin that far too much on millennials and Gen Z and saying, well, they always need a pat on the back and blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody wants that. It's just that like some of us were trained and conditioned growing up differently. And that that mentality that we once had of I learned the hard way. So you're going to have to learn the hard way is out the window. Like it's no longer here. And if you have that, I would, I would venture to guess you struggle to keep people. Uh, and you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. And let's face it. I mean, so I don't get to see our students, but maybe once or twice while they're here at WildTech. I mean, independently and be able to present to them and talk to them and tell them about what I do and the opportunities that are out there. But when I do meet with them, I kind of pick on them. I mean, I'm a mom, right? 
So I, I ask independently, where are you from and what do you want to do? And, and then I tell them, you know, when I see you in the hallway, the last thing I want to see you do is looking down at the floor of your phone. I want you to shake my hand and tell me, hello, Mrs. Barlow. And it's amazing how that one chance to interact with them. Now, when I see them, I don't walk down the halls normally. I'm getting high fives and I'm getting <laughs> in my hand. And here's the reason why I really believe this. And that is because everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to know that they matter. Do a scientific experiment in, in, in your you know, company and walk in with a smile and say good morning and do it every day or say hi and put your hand up and ask for a high five or whatever the case may do. But, but be, be positive and, and, and interact with people. It's the relationship side of things. When we do that, we, we build the confidence that they need when they get out into the big world of knowing who they are and buying into a culture. So back to the 42%, how do you keep them? Let them know they matter. It's yeah. not all by the dollar. It's not all by the money. It's by knowing that they belong. And when you talk about a millennial or you talk about the Gen Zs, they're about hiking and fishing and getting out there and enjoying life. Unlike our generation that very seldom ever used their sick leave and, and their time <laughs> off. We all thought that it was done, you know, through the extra work that we do. These guys get the relationship side of life. And so they want to be a part of where they go to work. They want to know that they matter. So I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, be kind. Start yeah. there. See be how good. that works. Be a good person. It helps a lot. Uh, that's that's a big thing. One thing you touched on there that I am forever intrigued with is confidence. And especially of a young person coming out into a workforce, it's one thing that I see the most, I feel like, and I, I think this hits home with me because this was something that I went through, was coming out of school, going into a shop. Uh, again, a lot of the culture at times, and I think this has improved a lot, but it, it, a lot of it was, well, I learned the hard way. You have to learn the hard way, that kind of stuff. And when you don't have confidence coming out and you don't, you know, you're, you know, kind of the basic principles, but you haven't had time to play around and there's expectations that you need to push to produce hours. And then when you're not producing hours, it's almost like this, this big snowball that keeps packing up. And it, it, I think at the core of it is confidence and being able to, uh, have as a leader or a manager uh, be able to recognize when that's not there and be able to build that confidence, even if that person is struggling, even if that person is, you know, not producing a ton of hours or uh, cause, you know, makes mistakes. Like there's, there's some, I just talked to somebody this week that uh, they're, they had a young tech that made a, a pretty bad mistake on a car and we're kind of getting after them a little bit. And I'm like, just pause the brake, uh, pump the brakes a little bit here. Like just talk to them, talk to them and have a good conversation and let them know that you, you understand there's going to be mistakes, but you want them to learn from them and be able to like, kind of talk through it. But I'm curious to you, like to your opinion on confidence and the level it plays with a, uh, with a new technician. So I think, as in all things in life. I remember when my boys were growing up and my oldest son, Zach, was getting ready to go into the workforce and he was about 14. And and um, this rancher came into my office and said, hey, would your son be willing to do some fencing? I said, you bet. I said, 25 bucks a day and just bring him home tired. And <laughs> it didn't go over so well, but he did it. And he earned his first truck and he he learned the value of hard work and knowing your worth. Um, so when it comes to a new tech, I mean, I tell you that story because I don't think we're having enough conversations all the way across about initial worth. Where do you start? Sometimes it is pounding a post. Sometimes it is changing the oil. And, and what are we worth doing that? We need to learn that, you know, that everybody has a starting point. Nobody starts up here. And I think that, that we have a strong um, disconnect and that disconnect is the demand. The demand is so high 
that the starting wage level is much higher than it was in the beginning. And so then we come back to the expectations and the experience that your shop had with this young technician. We need to teach kids confidence. We need to help them. But look, let's face it, they're not going to gain that without experience. So, and that's why the story. So once they gain the experience, and you know what, this student isn't going to forget what happened when, you know, they made the mistake. They're also not going to forget how they were treated. If you can't just pass it by, a bad mistake is a bad mistake. Was the expectation real? So there's two sides to this story too, that probably need to be considered on the other hand, how do we nurture past that and, and make that a growing experience so that it doesn't happen again? And, and that's, you know, let's face it, Jay, our shops are behind. They've got a lot on their shoulders to be able to get their customers taken care of. So that demand, and as an employee, we need to help our students understand, you know, um, what's going on and why it's tough for the employer as well, and that their expectations are going to be high. It's really going to have to step to the plate. Um, so I can see both sides of that conversation very easily um, without knowing all the details, but mostly, you know, we just have to have compassion and understand where we all sit in, in these mistakes and then try to nurture past this and understand their, their level as well as your own and both have to be willing to do their part. But again, with, with a brand new tech, it'd be hard. And, yeah. you know, I, my, my hat goes off to the, to the top. I think that's a very tough spot to be. Well, and I think that I, I'm curious and I don't know if, if, you do this out at Wyotech or, and I, I honestly don't really know if I've seen it, but having leadership training for managers uh, with new young techs, I think would be so beneficial of the, you know, this is how, you know, almost a playbook of how you should, um, you know, onboard a, a new tech, how you should uh, kind of work with them and, and how, you know, how you lead them. I, I think there's, there's in our industry, a lot of people that are in management positions that maybe didn't have management background prior to being in those positions. And it puts them in kind of a tough spot because you're, you know, I know, say uh, an instance where a dealership might have a, an owner, a fixed ops director, a, um, a service manager, then the technician. And if you're that service manager, you're kind of hearing, you're, you're getting it from both ends. You're getting it from the service director. Hey, you need to produce, you need to produce, you need to produce. And you're getting it from the tech. Well, I'm trying, I, I, I'm, I'm really trying, but I can't seem to, to get my hands around this and it's taking me a little bit more time. And so that service manager to me ends up in a really tough spot because they, they might want to grow that person, but they're trying to manage those expectations from above. And I think that dynamic in itself creates some kind of internal tension that makes that really, really difficult. It makes it difficult on that, that newly educated, uh, you know, student coming into the workforce. And I think it creates some, some pressure and some tension that creates some of that 42% stat that we talked about. Like, I just, I see there's, there's so many different dynamics and shops where, it ends up with a lot of pressure being put on a tech. And, and I, you know, being a young tech at one point myself, I didn't have all the special tools to do all of the, you know, like I, I, I didn't have the money to spend on the snap on truck or, you know, wherever, whichever truck came in. And so, you know, something is as, as simple as like a, uh, a specialized pick tool or something like that, where you, you needed, you needed it to get a job done. You didn't have it. And then at the time you're probably, nervous to ask for something to borrow somebody else's tool or, you know, whatever it is. But I think that, you know, we, we go back and we talk about mentorship and I think that's, that's the part that is missing in a lot of places is having that person that that tech feels comfortable with. And George Aaronson and I did a, a podcast a few weeks ago about that, about mentorship and how important that is, but that's the little stuff that you can do 
to make it more accommodating for a young tech is, you know, one, what can you do to build their confidence and really keep, keep their head up because uh, it can be, it's a tough industry at times. It can, it can beat you up. So uh, getting that confidence and then being able to really shadow them. And, and I think this is all kind of one and the same. If you're building confidence and you're mentoring them, um, and not just mentoring them by saying, don't screw up, like actually going out and helping them uh, get acclimated with the shop and, and, and get them comfortable and get them feeling as part of the family and part of the team. Uh, to me, that's, there, there's a ton of value in that. And that's why at WyoTech, we believe that it's important to bring industry here. So we do tours all the time, um, bringing them in. I've got some coming in today at 10. And we will go through the shops. We want them to talk to our teachers. We want them to meet our leadership. We want them to see what we're teaching them so that their expectations of the tech when they come into their shops is good. But you hit on something that made me think, you know, like when we have our career fairs or when other people come to WyoTech on the industry side, they're generally recruiters. And I think, and no, no disregard, that's their job, but we need to do a better, and, and maybe we need to even look at having a class prior to our career fairs when leadership is coming in and talk about that onboarding opportunity. Talk about the chance to do a mentorship program and really try to pull the technicians in. Um, I know I'm always trying to introduce companies to technicians when we're talking about specific locations. And that's why I love talking to the kids. I like to know where they're going to go. For example, we've got five kids here from Hawaii. And the other night I had a phone call from, <laughs> from um, a company in Hawaii that is looking for techs. So it, it's really kind of interesting right now what's going on. And, but to be able to do a class like that that would teach them how to you know, mentor a technician, what some of those steps could reasonably look like, and maybe a pay scale that follows that so that they had kind of a boundary to follow. And then for the students, Jay, in all fairness, companies are definitely upping the ante and because they have to, number one, but they also want to be able to help the student, you know, at a reasonable rate of pay, but then help them with their college tuition. So we have companies that have really put together some remarkable tuition reimbursement programs. And then the student signs on for a certain amount of time. So stop and think about this. Not only do they need to have the confidence to know what they want, except the job position that they're looking for. But now these techs, it's like a boot camp because now these techs are going to have to understand contractual agreements. And do they understand what they're signing when they are accepting this opportunity to work with this company? So when a company is looking at a tuition reimbursement program that allows a tech, well, I shouldn't say allows, but requires the tech to stay with them for the next three, five to 10 years, that's a big deal. Yeah. And do they really understand the intricacies of that contractual agreement. So I think that with what we're seeing, with, as much as we love to see the programs, I think our, our business class is going to have to step up the, the pace or step on the gas pedal, so to speak, on talking about contractual agreements. So your everyday tech is having to consider a lot of stuff in the amount of time that they're at tech school and then being overwhelmed with the overall response of their capabilities because of industry's demand. So yeah, there's, there's an awful lot there from industry understanding, you know, the nurturing side of a new tech to the technician understanding, what did I just sign in this employment agreement? And um, yeah, confidence, you bet. They're going to have to, and, and really understand what what they're considering there so there's a lot of elements coming together and if you think of it a wyotech student's here nine months we're we're shaping a student in their and granted we have military here as well but we're shaping them in only nine months and that demand on the industry side is really big because that demand is to come in and perform and 
And I know some of our students have gone into that flat rate environment right out of school and they weren't there very long. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's so much there to unpack. I mean, that, that, that is, that is even the, the contractual part was something that I had not thought about, but it is scary if you're in a, in a young tech shoes, because they're not dumb. They probably know that there's a, um, you know, there's a corporate attorney, a really good corporate attorney on the other end of that, that did a good job writing that. And, you know, you're most likely not using an attorney to, to look at that paperwork. And, uh, you know, I look back to myself when I was 20 years old and I would have just signed it. Like I, I probably would, I would have read through it, like skimmed through it and said, ah, oh, yeah, you know what, this is good. Sign, you know, sign. That's dangerous. Like they're like, you need to know what you're signing up for. Oh, Stop and think of it. I remember buying my first car. It was like 4,500 bucks. Well, maybe it was my second car. My first car was like 250 bucks. (laughs) So I was going up in life and I was scared to death to get that loan. So, you know, tuition, you know, here is 29,000. And these kids are making a big choice by, you know, continuing their education. And let's face it, any kind of continued education is expensive. So. When we think of, you know, that obligation that they're taking at a very young age, they're, they're scared. So when you have somebody saying to you, hey, listen, we'll pay back that school loan, but you've got to stay with us. I've seen them three, five, and 10 years for tuition reimbursement program offers that are out there. They need to know what they're getting into. And they need to realize that if they don't stay with that, that they may have obligations of repayment or they may have, you know, at that point too, they may not have to repay, but then they may have to continue paying on their college education. So it's important. And Jay, contractual agreements are are not easy and they they need to have that guidance from somebody to be able to help them through that process. And here at WildTech, I mean, I, I feel like our students are blessed. We have an amazing career services department that helps them with their resume and talks to them about employment opportunities. I mean, just last night at our, our rep dinner, I mean, I gave them all zip drags of 117 different employers that had sent me their employment information. And I put that in our reps hands. So our reps understand the opportunities that are out there and what's being offered and are promoting those opportunities as we recruit to WildTech. That gives, you know, our our partners good exposure from the beginning. But ultimately, yes, the techs have a, a lot on their plate. And that's where I would encourage them. Matter of fact, the other night at the grocery store, I seen a tech and they came up to me and was talking to me as one of them that I picked on at the very beginning. And <laughs> and he, um, you know, would tell me about an opportunity that he had. And so I felt responsible to say, how about your 401k and and what about you know your sick leave and vacation time and and just have that conversation with him and i encouraged him to take the offer that he received home to his parents and talk to them about it and get some additional advice as well i love that and and that's for for the companies that are out there listening to this i think that there's so much value in walking through the the paperwork side, the benefit side, uh, with a with a young tech, uh, maybe a lot of times health insurance isn't a top of mind for a young tech. They they are you know they're uh, maybe not thinking of or prioritizing that as much because maybe they don't have a family yet. Uh, you know, in probably most cases don't have a family yet. But yeah. I, I think being able to just simplify it and take it down to bite sized pieces so that they can understand it. Um, is is big. And I think it helps, again, I think it helps with the trust factor too, right? The more that you're able to kind of get granular and explain uh, all of the details of it without boring them to death, uh, but, you know, summarizing it and doing it in a way that's out of, you know, with their best interest in mind, uh, I think goes a long way. And, you know, you said it earlier in the podcast, but that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that text will remember how you handled it you know, from the onboarding process, you you talked about it in, if somebody makes a mistake, text, don't forget that stuff. Nobody forgets that stuff. If they're scolded when they make a, a bad mistake and, um, you know, it's always funny to me when a shop, 
manager will say, oh, they just won't talk to me. They won't talk to me. I, I don't understand what's going on. And, and I'm like, well, I can tell by your tone that it's because you're chewing them out all the time and they <laughs> they don't want to come back and and uh, admit a fault or or even like talk to talk to them about you know I made a mistake I'm sorry uh, but I would love to learn more about it you know like it just there's so much relational stuff that we've got to work on as an industry in order to kind of move move us forward right right stop and think of it do you remember who, your favorite teacher in school? Yeah. And were what were they like? I mean, did they were they nurturing? Were they kind? Were they? I mean, what was it about them that drew that to you? And and that's what we have to remind ourselves in everything that we do, obviously. And so it's not it's not just in our shop floors, but in this podcast and in what we're talking about today, it is the relationship. It is how you make people feel. And again, a brand new technician doesn't know it all. I don't care what tech school they come from. They, they just don't. And they need that opportunity and place to grow. So when you hire them, make sure that you realize that this economic climate isn't their problem and the demand of the industry isn't their problem. They're choosing to get into this because it's their passion. And so help them grow that passion. Help them find that mojo, that thing that just really makes them tick. Ask them a question. What do they love doing best? Or what do they want to do with their career next? And then make that opportunity happen because somewhere that's going to benefit the shop floor. And maybe we're not having those conversations enough. I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there. But if we want to be creative, then find out what somebody just really loves and is passionate about in their job. And then give them the reins. Tell them to kick the horse in the belly like we would do here in Wyoming. <laughs> now go get them. And, and that's what's important. And that's what makes us grow. Give them the opportunity and something they love and stand back and watch because I think they'll rise to the top every single time. How, how important is it to hire the individual and not the school? And when I say that, I've had a lot of people in industry, and it doesn't matter what school it is, that have said, oh, uh, you know, I, I hired somebody from there and didn't have a good experience, and that person's not here, so I'm not hiring from that school anymore. And when I go back to them, I'm like, listen, it's not you're you're putting so much into that, like in like into you're not looking at the person. These are still individuals, and they all have different personalities, and they all have different you know. Like, how important is it to to keep that in mind? That you know, you're hiring a person. You're not hiring the school. The school educated them, but you're still hiring an individual. I think that perception is hard to overcome, Jay. I mean, stop and think about it. We do that with everything we do in life, whether it's the church or whether it's the school, right? (laughs) So I think that it's important that, number one, you can't, I, I, you, you should never hire from the very first time you meet somebody. You should interview them once and invite them to your shop, let your people meet them. See how the interaction goes, build the relationship and take them out to dinner, invite their family and get to know who they are and what makes them tick. And does that fit what you, you might say, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I say you can't not afford the time and you, and anybody can find enough money for a cup of coffee or a pot or something that will allow you to get to know this person better and and then hire to the person. You're 100% spot on. You could hire a student from WyoTech or any of the other technical schools and maybe they weren't the most motivated, but you just needed an employee. So we have to ask ourselves the hard questions of, you know, what made the decision to hire the tech? Was it because I had 40 cars lined up out back? Or was it because this person, not students, did they rise to the top of the um, applications or the people that you interviewed to come to your dealership? I think sometimes just a warm body 
you know, when it comes to a technician or anything in this life is not enough. You got to know character. You got to know behaviors and, and know whether they fit into your culture. And if you're not doing that, maybe that's a part of the 42% and why they're not staying because we didn't do enough of the background work of the person that was hired. And it, I mean, there's so much that goes into the personality styles too, right? If if the per, the personality of the tech, and it doesn't matter if they're a student or a veteran tech, and the the personality of the manager, if they clash, like it's just it's not going to work. And so you have to. We we talk about it a lot from our standpoint, but finding the right fit for the right person at the right shop is so so important to our industry moving forward and and making sure that they get in spots that they can succeed and prosper um and same with managers right you want to have managers and and all of you managers out there if you want a recommendation on hiring i believe it was dave ramsey's book entree leadership where he has a great chapter on hiring and where they talk about um you know you you mentioned this is what sparked it with me was that taking family out to dinner and uh, they said you could learn so much about that person by how they would interact with their spouse at dinner uh, or their significant other at dinner. And maybe some things come out that you wouldn't have known otherwise. And not like I got you stuff, but more of like just general personality and how how that person treats other people and, and that kind of stuff. So um, that uh, I, I think there's so much value in that. And honestly, so much value in everything we talked about today. I, 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 uh, I truly appreciate, and I think we're actually bumped up on our hour already, but I, I, um, as, and, and it's funny, Cindy and I talked about this before we got on the podcast was that with her and I on a podcast, it wasn't going to take very much to fill up an hour. Like we, we, uh, I think we both like to talk. So it, uh, it, it worked out really well, but I, I do think there's so many things that you can take out of this and uh, out of the podcast and try to implement in your shops on, on how you can better, uh, manage a young person, how you can lead a young person at the importance of confidence, the importance of having a plan in place uh, to get them that confidence. So they know that, you know, Hey, th- these people are watching out for us. And, and I, I don't know about you, Cindy, but uh, you know, I think there are industry partners that do just such a good job of it. And I hope that the the rest of the industry follows that lead, because I think there's a, a ton of value in that as we move forward. And, you know, and I want to give a great big who to industry because I think industry is aware of this and, and yeah. they want to be a part of this solution. And I mean, I'm talking to them every single day and I see the plans that they are coming up with. And I can't begin to tell you just how impressed I am with, you know, we talk about the problem, but they're looking for that solution very, very actively. And so I want to be a part of that. I want industry to know if they want to know more about WyoTech, please give me a call. Come in, see our shop floors, meet our leadership, meet our instructors, and meet our students as far as that goes. But um, you know, the opportunities are great in many, and industry has done an outstanding job. They're up against a tremendous um, hurdle, and it's not going away quickly, Jay. This is going to be a conversation, though it's been around for a long time, it's not going away anytime soon. And industry is realizes that and they're very actively out there trying to fix and work with the students the best they possibly can. That means I'm going to be bugging you for future podcasts. Like if, if this thing isn't going away, we're going to have to have you back on, right? Yeah, I hope you do, because Lord knows I have something to say about it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Cindy. As always, it is uh, such a pleasure to talk with you. We we always have great conversations, and and I always enjoy uh, what we get to talk about, and and I think our hearts are both in the right place. So I I think that helps a lot. Uh, For those of uh, the listeners that are out there, how would they get in touch with you? Yes, they can reach me by email or phone. So my email is cbarlow at wyotech.edu, or they can call me. Um, The only number I have is my cell, and that's 307-620-1049. I'm at the campus about every other week. So if you're in Laramie or you want to come to Laramie, Wyoming, give me a call, send me an email, but let's touch base because Wyotech is here to stay. And we're doing nothing but growing. 650 students strong here in October. 
and we're actively teaching in our classrooms and things are going amazing here at WyoTech. Well, you guys are knocking it out of the park. We we uh, truly appreciate our uh, our relationship with you and and everything that you're doing for all of these uh, young technicians out there. So thank you so much. We'll have you back on the show, I'm sure, in a very short amount of time. Sounds great, Jay. Thank you for all you do. You guys are amazing. Mm-hmm.